All right. So welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Cuatro Cuadros. Once again, this is your boy Christian. And today I have another special guest, another person that, you know, some people will call the one of the originals, uh, you know, from 06 on. Uh, I have Mike Chabala. So how you doing, Mike? I'm great, man. I'm going to get my background theme music. Yay. Yeah, yeah. No, good, there man. You go, there I'm, you uh, go. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on, man. No, no problem. No problem. And yeah, like I said, you know, we're, we're here to talk a little bit about life, you know, how, how soccer basically has shaped your life and, yep. made, you know, made you the, the man I guess you are today and just kind of get into it and, and just, you know, see if people can take anything away from that. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure they will, but, you know, sure. just kind of dig in into your life a little bit and, and see if you can share some, some stories and stuff like that. From, you got from it. Your days. So, yeah. uh, you're you're a Cali guy, you know. You're you're a Cali boy, and uh, yeah, yeah. can can you tell me a little bit of you know how you grew up, in, you know, in Cali playing soccer? Is it different than yeah. than what you see here in Texas, maybe? Yeah, man. I, I mean, you know, I my whole family's from California, Fresno, and um, man, I just grew up playing soccer like everybody else. I was really fortunate that you know God gave me this burning passion for this you know little ball that we all love so much and um, the little sphere, and I um, just played my heart out you know every single day forever and was really fortunate right place right time and I got um I got identified by a scout from Austria like at the age of eight and then that kind of catapulted my uh soccer career I went over to Europe for a couple of years where I did a lot of like training programs which really kind of put me on a different level and trajectory and I think that's where things really changed for me but yeah my whole family's in Fresno California grew up there played soccer at the University of Washington um, and then got drafted one of the originals 06 to the Houston Dynamo. One of the OGs, huh? Uh, so going, yeah, going in, 1836, I would say 18, 1836 for those yeah, that are real, real fans. The real OGs. Uh, yeah. So how was that experience, you know, going as a kid to, to Europe? You know, did, were you already as a kid knowing like, you know what, I want to do this for the rest of my life or because I know, you know, like, for example, South American people or like people that, you know, they see soccer uh every day as their passion maybe not so much you know in the u.s maybe now right. today probably but you know how was that experience you gonna be like you know i'm mate but i want to be a soccer player when i grow up type thing yeah i mean i like i said i can't i can't describe the 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 passion you know i mean people can probably relate maybe like a significant other or i don't know man like a calling right but I just, I, I can't, I can't describe the feeling, but I mean, I would wake up, I mean, I mean, every day, man, eat, sleep. I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that, but you know, I would lay out my Jersey on the floor before games, couldn't sleep. I mean, you know, I've, I've I, soccer wasn't very popular. Football wasn't really popular on TV. So it was really hard to find games and really, you know, as it is today for players, I mean, you could literally follow a player's journey on their Instagram story, but um, you know, David Beckham, Pele, Beckenbauer, I mean, um, I just, list goes on, but you know, I just, I was very fortunate. Like I said, I got, you know, right place, right time with the whole Austria deal. And, um, you know, my parents are, uh, unique individuals that they both had two different experiences that led them both to the same place, giving me and my sister the opportunity that they didn't. My, my father was a, um, army brat. So he moved around all over the country and it was all about my grandpa's career. And he didn't really get to play organized sports because my grandpa was just very career focused. It was all about him. My mom was like one of five and four. Um, and she didn't get to do organized sports or anything because it was all about the family and being equal. So, you know, it was multiple, multiple kids. So when they, when they met, they really wanted to give, you know, their children, 
children, my sister and I, you know, opportunities that they didn't. So I ate, I, I flew to Europe by myself. Like my, my parents didn't go, they couldn't afford it. So, yeah. So I was over there by myself off and on for two seasons, two years or so. And that was really the difference for me. not only as a football player, but as a child, man, I just, I grew up early. I was speaking another language, managed my own money. And for what I know as like kind of a pivotal moment in my life that kind of shaped me to where I'm at today. But yeah, I mean, obviously on the, the football side of things, the technical training, um, you know, the knowledge, I mean, just everything was, was tremendously helpful and kind of came back on a different playing level. And that, that's what really kind of catapulted me and playing up multiple uh, levels years and, uh, you know, got me into the next level of uh, play. Damn, that's crazy. I can't imagine at eight, you know, just traveling by yourself and especially, no. you know, like that's a whole nother level right there of, of being our mindset. Uh, so obviously in, in high school, you were pretty good because you got a full ride to a Washington. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about, you know, your, your high school days? I mean, you're good looking now, so yeah. I imagine you were <laughs> better looking then, no? No, I was good. Thanks, man. No, I, I had a good time, man. I mean, um, so I'm, 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 like I've said, from Fresno, um, you know, at the time, both my mom, my dad and my sister went to the same high school and, you know, I was going to be the legacy. I was the last one and don't get me wrong, man. Like I'm a lover, not a fighter, but it was, uh, it was like my, my second year or no, my first year, like, I, like people were like, oh, this guy thinks he's all that. And it just like was a different vibe and somebody kind of threatened one to beat me up. And I was like, dude, I just want to play soccer. Um, but what happened earlier, I'll go back to middle school days, is when I started playing Olympic development programs, I started like to be identified and stuff. And I heard uh, about Landon Donovan and his story and stuff. And so I was just like, hey, you know, I really want to play pro soccer, too. And so that's what really, you know, it really kind of changed me as a as an individual. And I said, you know, I want to dedicate my life and I want to be a pro. Like I said, I'm going to start my professional, you know, path. And I said, like, I want to give my life to like the ability of like playing at the next level. So I was like, okay, you know what? Like I'll, I'm willing to give up my life. I'm willing to, you know, put everything on the back burner and say, I'm just going to be a professional soccer player. I mean, and they talked about um, the Olympic coach was just like, you know, you got to give up, you know, sacrifice. You got to, you got to focus on certain things. I said, okay, you know what? Fine. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to give up candy. I'm going to give up fast food. You know, I'm going to give up partying. I'm going like, to forget all that stuff. I'm going to focus on just being, a professional and that was it and so in middle school was like the trajectory point where I changed wow. so I, I never partied I never drank I never smoked um no girlfriends um maybe a couple but like I was <laughs> I was more focused on I'm 100% gonna make it as a pro and there was nothing that was gonna stop me I was in the gym early I was working late and you know at the time I wasn't drafted you know that was that was the pro that was so fast forward um, you know, just uber disciplined, you know, freshman playing with varsity players, tough level, et cetera. Going back to that story, some people want to beat me up. I was playing soccer for another, another team on another side of town, a better school, better soccer program. So I transferred and I transferred in my sophomore year, which means I had to sit out my junior year. So I didn't play soccer my junior year as a high school student. So I actually had to train on my train by myself, play on the play on the JV level. And uh you know, I was playing on the JV level. Sorry, somebody's calling me right there. Um, what was that? So anyways, I was playing on the JV level. And so I had to train on my own the entire time. So training by myself, like, I mean, it was very frustrating. It was a very tough time. But fortunately, played my last season, won the championship. But I was playing, like, Olympic development programs. That was, like, the path, right? You play ODP, state, yeah. regional, national team. 
and then I got obviously selected and, um, and then, yeah, my, my first official college visit was from the university of Washington. Dean Wurzberger came down, had dinner with my family. And I was just like, the fact that this guy flew down to have dinner with my family and the fact that you offered me a full ride, like I didn't even need to see, see the school. I'm like, I was either going to junior college, you know, working at a, you know, fast food restaurant, Target, whatever, and figure it out. I was going to play my way out of Fresno. Like that was it. So I have a hardworking family. They're great, but like nothing was handed to me. So thank God to my grandpa who had a little bit of money and, you know, was able to support my sister and I a little bit more, my, my mom and dad. Um, but otherwise, man, you know, that was the only way. So the fact that I got that blessing was, was everything for me and, you know, it's helped me to get to where I'm at today. So going to, going into your college years. So were you going, cause you graduated early with the, with the degree in finance, right? Were you yeah. also going with that, with that mentality of like, you know, I'm going to, you know, do uh, my soccer stuff, but also have that, you know, mentality of, you know, someday, you know, the, the soccer career, you know, you get older and stuff and this is going to help me or you were you, cause you know, a lot of people just go and, you know, they go and they just, they're like sports, sports, sports. And they leave like the schooling side, you know, you just make it by, yeah. but were you yeah, thinking also no. about that? Yeah. So, I mean, look, man, you've got to be dumb. You've got to be stubborn. You've got to be relentless and you can't hedge. Like there's no such thing. Like if you want to make something happen, there's just no alternatives. There's only one way out. And when you give yourself an out, when you hit the snooze button, when you, you know, start doubting yourself or thinking that there could be something better, it's over, right? Because that doubt, those other thoughts start to compile and they start to like, you know, really change the trajectory and like that clear vision. And so like that never was actually a point for me. Like it was always me, like, you know, soccer second, school first, like, you know, it was always um, it was always one of those, like where soccer was, no, I said that wrong actually, but like where I would say it was like soccer, soccer, soccer was second school was first, but like, you know, you know, one of my coaches said that to me, but it was more like, I was there to play soccer. Like that was it. Although my grandfather and my family, nobody's graduated college. So like I was the first. So for me, it was, you know, I want to do this for my family because nobody else has. Plus it's a free education. And my grandpa told me, you know, look, go play soccer and then go play pro, but like go to school, get your degree and then go play pro. And I was like, okay. So that was, there was no alternative for me. So I had to. And then when I, my first year I had a bad girlfriend, like I was a head case. I almost actually uh, lost my scholarship because I was the worst player. Like I was one of two full scholarships and I was supposed to be like the hope. And then I was not, and I was a head case. I was dealing with my ex-girlfriend back in California at the time, or like was my girlfriend at the time was trying to go to UCLA. Like wasn't fully present. And you know, I believe in like dark energy and I don't mean that in a bad way because I believe in God and light and all the rest of it though. But I think that there's moments in your life that you have the opportunity to use negative uh, situation scenarios to your uh, advantage. A lot of people look at, you know, something might be a disadvantage or something that is very hurtful that, you know, brings you the worst emotions, um, you know, and, and there's two different ways to look at that. And for me, I, you know, I always, uh, relished in those moments where something bad happened to me and you know god forbid you know um haven't had anything like that in a long time but this girl broke up uh cheated on me whatever and you know i was heartbroken man i mean there's nothing worse than getting your heart broken right yeah. like a death or illness and you know that 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 pain man was something that absolutely changed me and so i went to a therapist i really worked on myself but gave me this new direction of 
of hope and, um, and passion, that same passion that I remember when I was four years old. And I mean, I just needed that extra jet fuel to get out of the, the, the atmosphere. And that's what it took. And thank God, man. I mean, I was, I was, I was hell bent, man. I, I, I started taking like three, four extra classes. I was in the gym early again. Next year I was like all American. And I mean, the rest of the story is that graduated early and uh, the best, best college players in the country, you know, went to the combine and, um, you know, thank God Dominic Kinnear and the Houston Dynamo draft, drafted me. So kind of in, in between there also, you played for the Yami, Yami, Yakima Reds and the yeah, Fresno Yak Fuego. Yakima, yeah, huh? Yakima. Yeah, these Yakima. are like, you know, uh, PDL teams, right? Uh -huh. Like college-like teams for players on like, you know, youth development. So yeah, I, I, during the summer, you go play on these like youth teams or not youth teams, but like youth professional development teams to get games and just train. So yeah, I played in Fresno with a team there and then I played in Yakima, which, you know, is eastern washington so i would drive across the, across across the state to go and play and um you know both my summers i would stay in seattle and just take summer schools so that i can keep pushing through because you know i had a timeline so i wanted to make sure that i got through there with the amount of credits so was on a really strict schedule to get myself out of there in one piece and and uh and on time so those two great opportunities to play in fresno and yakima were great learning lessons um but i don't miss them <laughs> no i was gonna ask you because you know i know a lot of people nowadays Uh, I, I helped one of my friends run a, run a league here out uh, here in West K West Houston here in Katy. Um, and there's a lot of guys that, you know, they play in these teams, you know, these uh, UC, uh, what's it called? You know, all these UPS teams or whatever they're called, yeah. uh, UPSL teams and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just like, I always see it as a good opportunity for them to get seen and stuff like that. And I always, you know, give them the advice. So I just wanted to hear from somebody that kind of went through that route you know, just to see how, how that experience was, but, you know, you say you don't miss yeah. them. So it's all good. I know. I think what's important is that like the game's adjusted and the way yeah. to be identified as adjusted and changed. I mean, we're talking 20 years ago. I mean, what's, I mean, I think what's really important for youth players and any, you know, parent or person listening and, and can give some advice to another player. It's like, you know, you just never know who's watching and you go back to like when I was playing in the surf cup in San Diego and there was a scout watching my game. I mean, by the way, I was playing three years up on an under 11 team competitive. Right. But like, I mean, I scored and you know, whatever, but like one of the 30, 50 fields that are there and there's a scout watching and it sees me score. And next thing you know, I'm on a 747 by myself flying across the world to go train with the first division FK Ostravine, like, club you know that changed my yeah. life so whether you're playing outside of the park whether you're playing pickup whether you're doing the indoor league whether you're doing upsl whether you're doing whatever like players will be like i want to get identified with like look create a youtube channel like start posting content like do skill moves like go go down the street find a local pickup like look at jay demerit's story like you know backpacking across the you know the world to like go pursue his dream you know it makes sense like there's no there's no wrong way. The only wrong way is just not trying because you're giving yourself a reason that you can't make it. Like there's always a way, like I believe all roads lead to Rome. Like you just got to find your own path with what's in front of you. And for me, it was two opportunities to play at a higher level with other players. And just to, like what I say, keep the ball rolling, like just to keep playing because you need to get touches and you need to get on the ball. And you know, the only way to get better is by playing games. True. True. And uh, so the the draft happened. You know, we just had we just had the draft not not too long yeah. ago, and some guys right. got picked up. Um, right. You you were picked up 44th overall. How was that experience like? You know, just being there and you know just waiting for a call, waiting to see if, you know am I going to get picked? When am I going to get picked? You know, all these things. 
cool story, man. I, uh, you know, my parents are lovely. Like they're amazing. And I mean, I think that they just are older and things that they've never experienced and just really seeing like how special these moments are. And I think as we get older, we appreciate little moments in time, right. That we probably don't acknowledge or appreciate, um, you know, in our younger days, but they flew me to Pennsylvania. They flew me actually near Philadelphia to the actual, uh, draft. And it wasn't promised. Like, I didn't know, you know, if that was going to happen or not. Uh, one of the things my coach did at the time, Dean Wurzberger, was he called a lot of pro teams. And so I went to Salt Lake City. I went to the Rapids. I went to San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, San, San, yeah, San Jose. And, you know, I got to train with a team for a week, right? So the coach would kind of see you a little bit and helps to kind of like, okay, let me see what these guys look like within my camp. Because a lot of times these drafts just aren't developed. You know, there's such a big gap between college and pro. Well, Fast forward to the draft, um, you know, I got picked, I think it's 44 out of 46. Like, I mean, I was literally like one of the last guys, right? And I'm there and kind of people are like, what are you doing here? Like only like the top 10 are there, right? Like, it's just like not the, what it is today. And so I'm like doing my thing, whatever, just kind of working out. And like, I don't think I really realized that I wasn't maybe going to get drafted or there was an opportunity or the chance that like it might not happen. Um, but in my mind, I was like, I was 100% convinced, like, I'm getting drafted. Like, no agent was calling me and telling me anything. Like, I'm just sitting in their uh, the crowd like somebody else. And they're going through one drop, you know, first round, second round, third round, fourth round. And then, like, you know, I hear my name. I'm like, what? Wait, wait, what? Because I kind of thought, like, oh, shit, I'm not getting drafted. And, you know, it's yeah. not like, Mike Kibala, come on stage. It's like, all right, Mike Kibala, okay, next, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. what, like, the the goalkeeper coach, like, knew that I was there, saw me. He was like, hey, Mike's here, you know. And then. Like, you know, they're probably like, what, what is he doing here? You know, like, why did he come out here? But, you know, Dominic came around and at the time, you know, it just said Houston because they were moving the team from San Jose to Houston. So it was a blank scarf with just Houston on it, black scarf, Houston letter on it, you know, and he put around me. He's like, Hey man, I just want to tell you, like, you know, the reason I, you know, the reason why I picked you. And I was like, why? He's like, you know, because you're not going to mess up my team. You know, he's like, he's like, you're a good person. Like you're, you're the first one on the field where the last one off, like you're a good player but a better person. He's like, you know, he's like, you know, that's, that's why he's like, I'm, I'm excited to have you on the team back in the camp. And I'm probably mixing up a little bit of that because I think is maybe like later on after I got traded away from the dynamo and came back around again and talked to him. But I, there was words of that essence of like, you know, Dominic was very wise in his selections and just knowing that these drafts never really pan out for players. And so it's more about who's going to be a good fit for my locker room and going to contribute in a supporting role rather than like looking for some game changer, which obviously you're looking for a guy like Kai Kamara or um, I mean, I don't even know who else was in my draft class now. It was so damn long ago, but you know, the point is like, I was really grateful and um, yeah, that was a great moment in time for sure. And I wanted to go a little bit more in depth about the locker room, you know, and that, you know, original Houston Dynamo, because, you know, talking to Eddie, he talked about, you know, the group and how you guys were like super close. And then I also heard you talk before about how, you know, that that team, you know, it got well, maybe, you know, obviously other than the talent, you know, it was just a great group, you know, all together, you know, the, the chemistry and just the love y'all have for each other and y'all would fight for each other and stuff like that. So can you tell us, like, give us an insight, maybe a story or two of how that group was? Yeah. I don't think that there's any words that I can possibly say that will describe or actually, you know, resonate with anybody to really, you know, make it clear and, and feel like what that was like. And, 
you know, all I can say is like those two years of my life were, were, you know, arguably the best two for sure in my professional career. And obviously not because we won championships, but because of the chemistry, because of the camaraderie, uh, the brotherhood, the fraternity, the intimacy, the atmosphere, the experience. I mean, you know, if you look at any um, sports team and, you know, the, the, there's so many great players, right? But like when it comes down to it, it's about the relationships. It's, it's, it's a very special spherical i'll call it you know um mix of you know you know right players like right attitudes um you know life altering events um you know obviously just like egos uh you know it's it's a perfect storm and i think that there's a good book called culture code that i read not too long ago and you know it just it studies great businesses um teams companies that are successful and it's like why right but i think the little things are what really did it for our team and it was the relationship younger guys would babysit the older guys kids you know we would go out for drinks we would have um you know softball games we'd go bowling you know we were we were true like we were true friends like we were true friends and i think that was like the most important part of like i'm getting phone calls sorry that was like the, that was the true that was a true part of like um for one hour of sleep uh, sorry you're good you're good it's like the best part too fuck excuse my language but like <laughs> all good. but anyways like what i what i'll say is this like that locker room was ultimately what helped create my company and what i would say was my you know harvard mba like that was my PhD, like that, that time in that locker room, I learned how to be a good person. I learned what it was like to be a pro. I learned what it's like to be a winner. I learned what it's like to watch a bunch of 30, 35 year old men argue, compete, be adults. I mean, like I learned about life, like in those 10 years, but I learned about life in those, in those two years. And so, you know, I mean, this is a great story about Eddie specifically, but Eddie and Rico were on the field. We're getting ready to play for a playoff game. And, um, you know, there's a 50-50 and Eddie and Rico hit the ball at the same time. And the ball doesn't move. And then they hit the ball at the same time again. Doesn't move. Next thing they square up, just start going at it right there on the field. And we're right about to fucking go into the weekend. We're about to play, I don't (laughs) even know if it was, Salt Lake or Colorado. I forget it was. but And I mean, dude, Dom's like, Eddie locker room, go like, get, you know, (laughs) we go through training, whatever. Well, we go back. Eddie's sitting on Rico's locker, like ready to go. Like, all right, let's go. And they started going out again. Like it was just like, dude, what's going on? And, but like from that, we were able to just like, you know, obviously they were able to squash it, you know, and it was just like, when we're on the field, like we're on the field, like we're there because we're, we're trying to win. Right. And, um, and that was, that those little like moments of of you know you can look at that as like oh that's that's bad like they're fighting it's like no like we're we're competing like we're training that eddie's was a little off in those days but that's what made him so great another great story was Dwayne de rosario coming up to me after no at the end of training and we had already won our first championship we're into our second season uh, you know, I was going out. I mean, I'm not playing behind Wade Barrett. I'm not playing behind Brad Davis. Like, I mean, I'm cruising. I'm a pro. I'm kind of enjoying some drinks these days. I'm going out, kind of enjoying the little, you know, limelight, if you will. And, uh, you know, I had a probably average training session and probably smelled like alcohol still. And Dwayne comes up to me. He goes, hey, man, what's up? I was like, what's up, man? 
So what are you celebrating? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, what are you celebrating? I was like, I mean, what do you mean? He's like, you're out drinking last night, you're partying, right? I was like, oh yeah, I mean, we went to this place, it was fun. He was like, all right, man. He's like, until you win your own championship, don't fucking show up to my field like this ever again, or I'll make sure you're off my team. Damn. And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> what do you say? But Dwayne wasn't the captain, right? Like you got to look at like level five leaders, right? Crazy. Craig Weibel, Pat Onstead, Wade Barrett obviously was a captain, but he was a silent leader. I'm not even going to consider him in this conversation. Alejandro Moreno, Dwayne. I didn't even mention wow. Brian Ching yet. Brad Davis. I, I mean, I could keep going. Like you talk about a list of players. Like this is, it's, in, it's incredible. And I'm not even talking about them as players, but like as individuals, alphas, like winners. And and I think that's what very, it's very magical. And I think it's the small little moments within the team of constant little things that are going on of everybody on the same page. And what I believe Dominic Kinnear is having everybody aligned on a mission and keeping everybody together and holding everybody accountable to a set of rules that everybody honors, respects, and then again, holds each other, polices each other. So if I'm late, fine. Brian Ching's like, yo, Brian, fine. Put your money in, right? Like we all tell each other accountable to keep a standard. And I think that was really the difference, man. I can go on and on all day though, but I'll just say this. Like I've created my company based off of the principles that I've learned from those guys, Dominic Kinnear um, in the Houston Dynamo in the old days of when I was there. Um, and I think that that's truly something that was magical, differentiating. And I hope that Pat is able to instrument and, and you know, an instrument, but, you know, apply and um you know i know it's a big job for him in that role but i think that you know i think that that's going to be something that he'll be able to at least start working towards and i know a lot of the teammates want to help and contribute but not to get into that but that's 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 enough on that yeah 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 no no i i know if we get talking about the dynamo i think we could be here for hours uh but i, I also i had a little stat for you i don't know if you know but i was looking into your into your when you made your your professional debut i guess you can say uh, that you went in with the first team. I don't know if you remember. Well, obviously you do remember. But first of all, I want you know I want to tell you this, but you got a red card in that game, right? Am I am I right? Was that it? I mean, yeah, that's I think it was the fastest red card <laughs> almost in history. Like the first one, yeah, I got a red card. But yeah, but but, but did professional you, soccer player. Did you know that? Well, I mean, it probably is not the same at the same level. Uh, but Messi got a red card also when he made his debut with Argentina, the national team. So you know, you can you can use that. You know. You know, I you love and, that, man. And you, you I guess you I, have something in common. <laughs> I, I, I'm honored, man. No, I, I, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I've been training really well. Like, I mean, just, I mean, I, yeah. So I was knocking on the door and, you know, I think it was just one of those things like, Hey, let's get this guy some minutes. Like, let's get them in the game. Maybe something can happen. You never know. Like when you put young guys in the game like that, they're so excited. They're energetic. I mean, usually magical moments happen like that. Alex Dixon is one. I remember Alex Dixon getting in the game. I don't know if anybody remembers that name, but like Alex Dixon came on and scored like an absolute bomb to like 40 yards out. Right. It's just something magical about players getting their first appearance. Well, anyways, I just went in for like a 50, 50, which was against AJ De La Garza, funny enough, but it was just like his foot was going this way. Mine was going this way. And it just looked like it was anyways, but then like four minutes, man, and sent off. I mean, I was on suicide watch almost, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's like, what do you say to a guy? But, um, you know, obviously the guys knew how 
disappointed how bad that sucks. But yeah, first game, fun red card, one for the books for sure. Thanks for reminding me. Hey, no problem. That's what I'm here for. No, but I mean, hey, also, um, I wanted to get into your days in in uh, Portland because I know that you had a lot of fun over there, or at least it seemed like it. I know, you know, Portland is, is a big soccer city um as houston is you know even though we don't see it as much now but you know back in those days you know i think they were neck to neck uh but uh you had a goal there and you know i saw a karate chop you know you did there with the little uh with the little piece of log that they give you so if you want to get into those days you know i would like for you to tell me a couple things about those days but also the que the real question is what did you do with the log the piece of log? yeah so yeah that's a good one i um So Portland was probably my, one of my, it was my favorite place to play just because of the city. And I, I would say it was my best year of soccer. Like the way, I mean, like my performance, I mean, the year in 2011, man of the match scored one of my two goals against David Beckham, you know, an unbeaten LA galaxy team in like 16 plus games um, ESPN, man. Of the, I mean, it was just, it was magical, man. I, I mean, I just, that was, it was incredible. I love the city. I love the culture. I love the people. It was charming. Um, and I just, just really was excited to get out of Houston just because I kind of think I ran its course and, you know, things were kind of adjusting there. And so I think a fresh start is always good. And it had been like six seasons, I think with Houston. So it was just, I wasn't getting the time and it was just fine, but regardless, Portland was, was, was amazing. Um, you know, but when I got there and they interviewed me and they said, you know, like you know are you gonna get a log i was like what's what's a log right and they're like you know when you score a goal i'm like oh, no, i'm gonna get a log like yeah i'm gonna get one and anyways the uh the tradition is is lovely i, I think it adds to the the character and just the magic of of ptfc but you know i i hit a bomb made a good run played my played my best game probably in my career i was it was it was it was amazing And um, yeah, I got my log. What was cool about it is like when I got the log and, you know, Joey was like, you know, getting ready to like do it. He's like, dude, Mike, like it, it came apart. I'm like, oh, no, that's okay. And I mean, I'm just like on the fly. I'm like, hey, Lavelle, come here. And Lavelle Palmer and I got trade up there. Great friend, good guy. Um, and I was like, hey, hold this together. And so people couldn't really see. So they just like held the log together and, uh, you know, just like they're both pushing it. I'm like giving this karate chop. If you go on YouTube, you can see it. I'm like, yeah. And I just chopped it right in front of the, the crowd. And they're just like, oh, shit, this guy just broke the log. Like, what? And, uh, dude, it was awesome, man. So I, you know, kept the log. And then my dad got it framed. So it's back in my uh, back in my dad's house, framed nice. up with uh, with the with the picture and stuff. Super cool moment, man. Yeah, definitely one for one for the books. I saw I watched that video. And it's funny because, you know, usually YouTube comments are, you know, terrible place to to kind of go and wonder. In. Um, and then I saw one of the comments said, this guy's not a, kar a karate master, you know, and so I thought it was funny. But, you know, yeah. just just in case you, you were wondering, you know, some guy out there yeah. doesn't believe in your karate skills. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Think, yeah. Um, so I wanted to kind of get into that next step of your life because I, I saw uh, an interview that you did and, and you talked about, you know, basically whenever you, you kind of decided to, it was like, you know, you were talking about those dark moments and using the like dark energy, you know, to, to kind of push you forward. And, and it was a very interesting because you, you said like one in the story that you were telling is like, you were, you were going to practice one day and you just, you know, you just didn't like, maybe you didn't feel it or you, or you, you saw this maybe chapter kind of closing and you just kind of flipped around and you took a trip to New York. Like you just got on a plane and, and just kind of dipped and, just like that. and, you know, and 
I mean, to me, like, you know, I was like, man, that's crazy because, you know, your whole life, especially now, you know, kind of knowing your story a little bit, you know, uh, since you were four years old, you know, at eight going to, to Europe and making trips and, you know, your whole life, you know, putting stuff aside your whole entire life. And then, you know, kind of having this realization that, you know, man, all everything that I've done my entire life, you know, it, it's, it's, I have to move on, I guess, from it. So I, I don't want to, you know, make you sad or anything or, or take you to through a rough batch of your life. But I think, you know, like since you were talking about, you know, using those moments to push you forward, I think it's right. a great transition into what you're doing today. Yeah. And, I, I, yeah. I, I think that's a great point. And, um, and yeah, so, uh, you know, I, so, so I went from Portland to DC. Um, I just, I, I was, something happened with, with, within that time period with, with me and with John Spencer and, um, you know, I was trying to get a new contract. I was making average money comparatively to all the other starting players in the league. And, you know, one thing that I didn't do a good job of was managing my, my contracts and my career on that side of it, which I've learned. But, um, anyways, I got traded to DC and I don't know, it was just a weird time, man. I just wasn't fully there. Like, game was changing I think I was jaded from that when you go back to the earlier in our conversation about like that mentality piece of it right about you know high school college like doing school doing soccer like you know trying to hedge and you know make sure you get your career because you don't know if you're gonna get playing like I started to think about life outside of soccer about that time and um, I went to DC I played okay my grandfather uh, passed away and Ben Olsen was like hey man like we're good like the team's rolling just stay there be with your family like you know, we'll see you like, you know, later on, but like, you're good. We don't need you basically. And so I got that time cut off quickly, went to emergency mode. I'm like, shit, I don't have a team. Like, what am I going to do? Right. Cause they're like, Hey, we're not picking up your option. I went to Dominic. I was like, Hey, I know this is crazy, but Dominic kind of brought back a few players like Ryan Cochran, Kelly Gray. I mean, so like brought him back. And so I'm like, you know, maybe he'll bring me back. So I was like, Hey, Dom, can I come back in and train? Like, I'm just looking to get fit and just, you know, find a team. He's like, yeah, no problem. Anyways, I got signed you know, we, I played really well that season. And then I thought, okay, I'm going to play next year. Well, they're bringing in DeMarcus Beasley. They're making other changes, like trying to get me to, you know, find a spot for me. And last day of preseason, he's like, I don't have a spot for you. And I had Montreal and San Jose both like, yeah, like we, we want him. Like, we'll, we'll take them. So hard spot. Um, grateful that it happened was very pissed at the time, but you know, fortunately that forced me into, the transition period but like dom said hey look come back let's get you keep training we'll figure it out maybe a pivotal front office role player role like we'll you know we'll figure out something like we did with brian ching da, 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 uh, where we can figure out how to get the money and figure out how to keep you in but like i you know we want to try and make it work anyways i do that uh training for april or march last march rest of april and guys like dude are you getting paid i'm like no like are you signed no like what are you doing and I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know. And you know, nothing was opening up. Nothing was happening. World Cup's approaching. And I could slowly start to feel one of my, one of my gifts is feeling people's energy and just, I mean, really that's it. Like, I really just feel like I, like I just, I feel energy from people. Like, I mean, it's very obvious if you're, you know, look at somebody and the way they look at you, whatever, but like just the subtle things. And I, I felt the energy shift. I felt the locker room shift. I felt the coaching, sh coaching staff shift. I could just feel that I wasn't welcomed. Like, I feel like it was time. 
And yeah, man, sure enough, dude, 30th birthday, dude, driving, you know, turn 30. And I was, I just, I just fucking had enough, dude. And I was like, all right, my girlfriend at the time was in New York, flipped the car around, went there, um, you know, lived, was with her for a while. Um, you know, her family was helping me just kind of figuring out next steps. And, you know, I started just going to different boutique fitness concepts, soul cycle, berries, um, rowing concepts, bar concepts. I mean, everything you can think of and everything is pretty much in New York. So that's what kind of teed me off. And I'd kind of seen what soul cycle was doing before. went to a couple of experiences in the Hamptons and, um, you know, kind of started thinking about the idea of like, man, like, that's kind of cool. Like, I wonder if there's anything for soccer, which started my curiosity. And then, you know, during my career, which is a, another great, crazy story that I'm going to say for like my book or movie, but, um, I flew to Hawaii and to go to the four seasons to go do my clinics and camps there that I've been running for a few years. And, um, that was the world cup season. That was world cup year. So, you know, there was like no, no games for like six weeks or so. So like I'm in Hawaii and then I ended up living in Hawaii for three, four months. Um, you know, getting to a point, finally a point where I was like hiding. I was like, well, fuck, what am I going to do? I got no teams. Nobody wants me. It's after world cup. It's been seven, eight months already. And you know, that was, that was the end. I mean, not that I knew it, but you know, that's what started the transition. So, um, save a couple of great stories, but flew back and started the transition. And I guess kind of the, the last question probably will kind of transition into the, the whole, you know, the creation of Sphere. But, you know, why why does Mike Travella choose Houston over maybe going into Portland, like going into that market or maybe staying in New York or, or going back or going back to Cali, you know, you know, yeah. going back home? Why Houston? Great question. Um, you know, funny enough, man, but as a child, I loved the Rockets. Like I, I was, I was a Rockets fan, obviously, because it was a winning championship team. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, Sam Cassell, like, dude, I mean, it was, that was my team, man. I used to play basketball and hoop outside. And I was just like, oh, Rockets are on. I'm watching it. Used to be a Nolan Ryan's fan, but Nolan Ryan fan, like loved, loved the Rocket. Like I just loved him, dude. More Texas Rangers, but it was Texas. Like I just loved him. Obviously Astros, but you know, so funny enough, I get drafted to Houston, right? I mean, it was San Jose originally and then Houston, but I always feel like I had a calling to be here. Um, and I come from a very strong um, Catholic family, a very loving family, you know, constantly weekends with everybody. Uh, I, had a, I, had a, I had an amazing childhood and filled with love and, and that family uh, goodness that everybody, you know, loves and feels on the holidays, right? But like I had it all year round. And you know, when I got to Houston, I, I really dove into the community. I mean, I did every appearance. I, I, I did every interview. I, I supported every business. Uh, I made every friend. And it was easy because the people were very easy. And I think that's something that is very unique. And I mean, I always wondered why so many people, you know, said I'm a Texan, not a, you know, American, right? Like everybody's very proud to be a Texan and much different than the rest of the country. And so I finally got to experience that which aligned a lot with my morals and my culture and, you know, family beliefs, my background. And I'm talking politics. I'm talking about the way that people operate uh, as a human being. And so, you know, through the transitions and through like the trades and then, you know, finding myself back to come to Houston, I, I came back to Houston because I knew my career was about to end and I knew I had unfinished business here, but I also knew that this was going to be the best place for me to transition with the network and the friends that I had. I knew I needed to buy myself time. So thank God Dominic gave me an, another opportunity. And I think that was 
you know, a blessing. Um, and that was the, the moment that I realized like, Hey, this is a great spot for me. So like in that long, in that long explanation, you know, in that transition, you know, cost of living, uh, the community, the team. Uh, and, and I, and I honestly will just say this, like, I had unfinished business here. Like I just didn't feel like it was time for me to go in any way, shape or form to go back to mom and dad's house and go, you know, live with them. Like, no, like that's just not an option. Right. Like I would rather live on a couch at an optometry practice, you know, barely have any gas in my BMW that I could barely pay for, um, you know, barely, barely getting by yet living this facade, drinking myself to sleep every night, miserable because I don't have any friends and, you know, wondering what I'm going to do with my life. And like, that's, that's what I chose. But, you know, it's the reason why was because of the people, um, you know, the community, the relationships, like that was, that was it. And it, and it felt like home, you know, and I, and, and I, my whole life, I haven't felt home, like since I left, you know, for college, really. I mean, even that too, my family would probably say that I really probably never felt home after eight because I was gone and I was gone and I was gone and I was gone and it was, it was it. So what I know and what I knew was being on the road and traveling. So spending so much time in Texas, it's like the closest thing that I know to home. So that's, that's a long-winded explanation, but you know, I've been, I've been, I've, I'm, I'm glad because like I said, like God just had, had a plan for me and where I needed to be was, was here. And otherwise I just don't believe that I would have been able to start my company and do what I did if I was anywhere else. Like I needed to be here, like exactly in Houston, Texas, for sure. And to kind of finish off, can, can you tell us about, you know, what you created in a way, you know, this, this concept that, that you came up with? Yeah. I mean, the, the fast, long, fast version, um, as I was mentioning about the whole New York trip and looking for a soccer inspired workout concept. I mean, I was secretly trying to stay in shape to get back into the league, trying to find a team. And, you know, I was going to different workouts to try and find a way to stay in shape. Nothing was coming close. Um, you know, and I think that transitional period and that's that place where I was in Hawaii, I started manifesting these ideas about sphere and what that looked like. And so, What really happened was I was lonely. I was missing people. I missed the locker room um, and I was struggling and I needed to figure out how to find something to, to kind of fill that void. And I tried it, spins, yogas, CrossFits. I, I tried it and I just couldn't find anything. Everybody preached team. They didn't know how to be a teammate. You know, everybody said that they're connected, but super disconnected on their phone. I mean, you name it. Um, I experienced it. I tested every workout concept, put it up against what, you know, I believe soccer players are the most, you know, fit, you know, all around athletes. And so I just said, you know, I'm going to go create my own like fitness company, like a soccer inspired fitness company. And um, I had these crazy ideas about creating this like lights down, music up, beat based workout. And, you know, I, I just had this idea of, you know, making the world a better place by bringing it together. And, you know, I, the only thing that I knew was the locker room from the Houston Dynamo in 06 and 07. I said to myself, if I just can create that feeling, if I can feel that again, like I'll feel like I'm at home. Right. And so as I just went, started to create my company and started to work towards like whatever it is that I was creating. And if you go back and look at some of the videos, like, wow, like this is crazy. I mean, as long as I could feel that the energy in the group was right, then I knew I was going in the right direction. And I've, uh, and I moved that way. So what was a company 
to compete in the boutique fitness world, like a soul cycle or berries as a soccer inspired fitness concept has changed to be a human connection company, a company to connect people on and off the field. So sphere is a business that I created, you know, to help people connect on and off the field. And, um, you know, we do that through game changing workouts, atmospheres and experiences. So, um, you know, one thing that's been really challenging as an entrepreneur is just like a really bad soccer game. And for those Dynamo fans that are OGs, if you will, there's a product team that everybody remembers, um, which uh, I, it, uh, it was, it was, it was here it was the CONCACAF or Champions League game. We went into like double OT and Joseph Nguyenia missed the penalty kick that landed on somebody's chest. Do you remember that? I don't even know if you remember that game, no. but um <laughs> Anyways, man, it was just a bad game, man. Like so many injuries, red cards, whatever. Like, like entrepreneurship is like a game to me. And so it just takes a lot of time. The play has to develop. The team has to be right. Like you got to see what's working. You got to change what's not. And, you know, over the past seven seasons of running sphere, I've been able to just take that athletic mentality of every single day's training. There's going to be good games. There's going to be bad games but it's a season, it's a long season. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be right at, at the start. It's going to take some time to develop and work out, but that's been really helpful for me to be able to just continue to persevere and push through, especially during a pandemic, especially through, you know, money and tight times and, um, you know, bad calls, plays, changes, but yeah, man, it's been, it's been, a, it's been a blessing for me. And so sphere for me is, as like my hope is, is really to keep our world connected as we keep moving forward and to see where we are today with COVID, the division between, you know, everything really these days, it seems, whether you're vaxxed or left, right, or yeah. whatever color you, you, you might be. And, um, you know, I really feel that with the way the metaverse and the way that technology keeps moving, I feel like, you know, what we all crave and care about the most. And at the end of the day, is you know the physical human touch that we give each other and so as i keep moving through this thing we called life i i realize how valuable um you know our community is our teammates and um you know this team so yeah my goal is to connect the world my goal is to you know help people find each other and connect and and ultimately you know just just do my part man and give back to the game that's given me everything that's awesome well, you know, I, I was talking to when I was talking to Jonathan to kind of set this up, you know, he he one of the things that he mentioned that I thought it was really cool. It was that how y'all kind of created y'all's, y'all's own little language. And he was talking about connecting passes. And uh, I just thought it was a really cool concept. You know, the whole bringing like the soccer word, the soccer lingo into like, you know, real life and kind of connect, connecting passes with, with people. I think it's cool. So thank Thanks, you man. for, thank you for connecting, you know, this pass with me, you know, playing yeah, a man. nice through ball. And uh, I really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for, for jumping on and talk, talking to me and letting everybody kind of hear your story for a little bit. Yeah. Christian, don't ever hesitate to reach out if I can ever help you. And uh, I'd like to say, man, keep the ball rolling. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Thank you guys.